Welcome back, everyone, to the A24 On The Rocks podcast. We're so glad that you're here listening to our voices again and enjoying some of your favorite movies in audio form. It's me, Kelly, and tonight I'm drinking a Bud Light because sometimes that's all that a movie deserves. My name's Eric Kiska, and I am drinking an Oberon tonight. Up next, we have Blaze. This is Blaze Fitzgerald Ryan the first, and tonight I am drinking Buffalo Trace, uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Good evening, world. This is Kevin, and tonight I'm drinking Ope Brewing Company out of West Dallas, Wisconsin, which is a brand new brewery that just opened up down the street from me, and I am drinking the Ope Sorry Fruited Sour Ale with Blackberry and Lime. So I figured it was uh, fitting for tonight. There we go. Very Midwestern. Yep. For our Midwestern crowd. So we're back on the rocks with no rocks to go around, yeah. but we're here to discuss a 2014 movie called Tusk, and I know what you're hearing, audience. I hate this movie. No, we love this movie. Well, we'll discuss it, and maybe we will be on your side or we won't, but continue on listening. This film, I think the most important thing that we need to know about it, it was written and directed by Kevin Smith. Now, I'm a youngie. I don't know Kevin Smith very well. And I'd like all of you to please inform me, what's this guy all about? <laughs> Who wants to start? Yeah. Uh, I could dig this one. I, so I, I definitely grew up uh, watching Kevin Smith and loving Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma. Jay, I actually think I first saw Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and then I watched like all of his 90s films. And then I kind of picked up all the pieces. And he was a cult uh, director and writer who... Uh, it was from Red Bank, New Jersey, and is from Red Bank, New Jersey, and he just created a lot of cult films with, I mean, there's a lot of dick and fart jokes in all of them, but then it always seems to come into a sentimental ending, every film that he does, and he kind of, you know, amassed this huge crowd, and eventually, I uh, think he kind of started doing podcasting, like, very, very early on, and uh, apparently, that is how this movie got uh, thought of, and made it was from a episode from one of his podcasts where they discussed a fake advertisement um that they read on what craigslist i think and you know he was just like oh well let's make this into a film and as uh you could guess i think when you have that kind of idea for a film uh it's probably not a good idea. So, <laughs> I mean, uh Silent Bob is one of the the characters throughout kind of movie history that is quite um, identifiable to a lot of the people who were watching it as it was growing up. Like, he, you know, was that um, silent character that always was the sidekick, was kind of the, the second in command, the kind of the behind-the-scenes type of guy in most of his movies. Um, not to say that that really changes too much as a writer, but I think that's kind of his his look at it, too, from kind of being the, the observer while being in the film itself. Um, he's always known, like Eric talked about, for kind of those slapstick comedy roles that were pretty much defined all of those things. Dogma, he talked about, was one of the most you know famous ones. Um, and then, you know, Jay and Silent Bob is just synonymous with movie success. So, I think knowing that going into this movie definitely 
changes some people's thoughts about what this movie is in general. And I know we'll talk about it in detail, but I really think that it's important to talk about Kevin Smith before we talk about this movie because this really just truly is just a brainchild of him messing around on a podcast, like Eric said, just making jokes and then this would be funny. <laughs> and here we are. So. <laughs> so here we are, a few layers deep. We are a podcast that discusses movies, discussing a movie that came from a podcast about podcasters in weird situations yeah so if you can follow and i have a mustache so and eric has a mustache so what <laughs> happens next hmm. um this movie is it was released september 19th 2014 with a budget of three million it bombed brought home just shy of two million Music, I thought that this was interesting, was by a man named Christopher Drake, who, before this movie, did a lot of soundtracks for like superhero video games and animated series. This uh, movie is about a U.S. podcaster who ventures into the Canadian wilderness to interview an old man who has an extraordinary past, and the American learns the man has a dark secret involving a walrus. I... Read what this was about, and I think when we first were starting this podcast, I was so interested to watch this movie because I'm like, we're going to get to watch podcasters, we're going to get to talk about podcasters, and this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. Did you guys, have you seen this before? First view, second view, tell me about it. Alright, so for me, this is my first view of the movie, but I definitely knew of its existence since it came out, mostly because of what we had talked about already, being a Kevin Smith fan. Also, just the completely absurd concept of a horror movie that's not a horror movie, but it's a comedy and whatever else. So, going into it, I had the knowledge that it was a movie. I also had heard the comparisons to Human Centipede at one point. And then was kind of like, well, let's see what happens. And that's how I jumped into this movie, only to come out the other side. Well, we'll talk about it later. But that was my personal viewing. Well, I don't disagree with you. I will agree with you that the there are parts. One part that I like found really funny is as he continues to lie to him. And he's just like, the doctor came over and, yeah, he took all the phones. Yeah, just all of Weird, them. Weird, right? Just, How does that but happen? I'm like, that, that's good. That, that one's funny. Eric, did you find this as funny as previous Kevin Smith films? I hated the comedy. Uh, I did not laugh at any of it. I think it was like Kevin Smith's like dumbest movie. Like, think that all of the jokes in here or something a second grader might have written. And uh, I'm somebody who actually loves Kevin Smith. So this was very tough for me, and it disappointed the shit out of me. For me, there was a couple of moments where I had like kind of written down a couple one-liners and had some LOLs. But for most of my reaction, it was the, it was the cringe laughing, I guess, that got to me in some circumstances. Which I truly do believe it was Kevin Smith's intent in a lot of these things. Like, you hear at the end of the film of the original, the clip from the original podcast where they're talking about the final fight scene and they're just like laughing their asses off as they're describing this battle between the walrus man and the man in the skin suit and just like the whole time, just the absurdity of the whole situation. And as a viewer, I think you're totally supposed to feel that absurdity. You're not supposed to take it from a face value of, oh my God, I'm so scared there's a walrus man in the room. But again, this was just my laughing at the absurdity of the whole situation in general. So I agree with Eric, the, the jokes weren't as funny as the whole premise of what we were watching. This was my first time too, but yeah, I, I feel you on that, like Teddy laughing, Haley Joel Osment's character, I couldn't, I couldn't take any more of that. It was just so much laughter from him, and I'm just like, uh, what Wallace just said, it's not even funny. 
Right. And then the whole Nazi party thing, like, I get it, little edgy, but, like, it's just a really stupid play on words. Like, I honestly, like, stuff I would have heard fifth graders say, so. The other thing that I found funny, and I just wanted to point this person out in the cast, so the cast uh, is a lot of names that we've probably heard. Justin Long, Michael Parks, Genesis Rodriguez, Haley Joel Osment, and Johnny Depp. But the most important character, in my opinion, was Harley from Epic Mealtime, who plays a border agent in Canada. And... I thought that his scene might have been the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, Kevin, you were quoting some pieces of that. Do you want to talk on that scene? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you've, of course, got to introduce Canada in the most ridiculous, over-the-top, cliched Canada way possible if you're this film, um, mostly because Canada's the punchline. But he rattles off this soliloquy of just wonderful things about Canada that I just popped at every time. Like, he talks about Canadians not getting sad and just in general, all of the things that the Canada do's and the Canada don'ts. And I thought that was just hilarious as all hell. They, had, you know, they bond over their shared facial hair and don't talk shit about hockey in Canada. Um, I thought that entire scene, like you said, was just, uh, it was, was, was good. It was, it made me laugh and it set up that he really didn't want to be in Canada and didn't really understand what he was doing there. So I found all, like, the ripping on Canadians just way overdone, and it was just really cringy after a while. Like, I, it just, like, I don't know, you're, you're beating a dead horse at a certain point, and it, it got so annoying for me, and I, like, kind of laughed a little bit during that first scene of, you know, in the airport, but then I, like, actually, as the scene went on, I laughed less and less. I'm like, all right, you're really beating this over the head right now, and it just got really old to me. I feel like watching fair, fair. movies... And then all right, we could talk about this later too. But watching a movie with the intent of talking about it on a podcast, to I watch it differently. I know we can talk about this later, but like I don't know, it seems like I'm looking at it from a different <laughs> lens than I'm trying to enjoy it versus rip it apart versus not. I don't know. I do agree with that, and I do think that this movie, and from what I understand of Kevin Smith, it would be good to watch like while you're pretty stoned. I think that this would be a good movie to watch where you're pretty stoned, stupid enough to laugh at, and then really give you the eebie-jeebies later on, depending on how much that you can take. I did want to talk about special effects. Uh, we were talking in our last episode about how they didn't really go all out with zombie effects, and this is not a very large budget for this film as well for special effects. However, I thought that it was pretty well done and pretty upsetting when we see a human transformed into a walrus. Anyone else want to weigh in on that reaction? Yeah, that was messed up. Yeah, um, I thought I thought everything leading up to it was just as scary. I thought that the body horror... It's so weird because, like, in the beginning, when they're making fun of the, the fat kid who, like, cut his leg off... Kill Bill kid. The, the, yeah. C, the, CJ, the CGI was terrible. And I, and I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, God, if this is what it's going to be. That's going to be a tough pill to swallow. And then they get to what Wallace, get it, Walrus, Wallace, becomes. <laughs> and it's truly, truly horrified in ways that I did not think were imaginable. Because not even how real it is, but more of the, the way that they, it was, like, clearly a costume, but also, like, they they left it so he could have like facial expressions like especially with his eyes and stuff like that and you could really see the uh the terror there's a scene where uh he has to learn to swim otherwise he's gonna die right that was basically the uh the game and as this chain is pulling him into the pool 
He is freaking out. He cannot speak English anymore. I think his teeth are pulled out. Someone has to like his tongue's cut his tongue off. Tongue gets yeah. removed. Yeah. And he's screaming this like terrible scream. And for me, like the movie itself isn't scary, but the situation and the existential terror of it all is what scares me. And that is a manifest of like how many idiots are out there because this suit is made out of human skin. There's another walrus, at least one other walrus in the pool. So how many idiots answered this guy's notes, right? Is just terrifying beyond belief. So yes, I think the the costume design was perfect in many ways. There was a visual horror and then there was a uh, psychological horror about uh, the implications of how that suit was made. Why was his head like an uncircumcised penis? Why? It could it could retract back into the wall. It literally was an that uncircumcised penis. That was the most upsetting penis. part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like retracts in and out. It like it, like comes out of the foreskin of the the walrus like the neck. It's it's literally just an uncircumcised penis. Mm. <laughs> well, yep. there's a lot of visuals that. in this film. You so. wanted more male nudity. You got it, but <laughs> <laughs> they delivered yeah. it to you and you're going to complain. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he didn't, well, he I want to talk about, we're talking about Wal- Wallace the Walrus, but pre, pre-Walrus. He's our unfortunate podcaster who finds himself in this awful situation. My question leading up to it, we learn a lot about kind of his backstory. We get a lot about who he is as a person and how kind of much of an a-hole that he is. Did he deserve it? Yes, I think so. I think that he deserved it. I think Kevin Smith was clearly making a commentary on those type of people in existing in our society in general. I think there's a lot of people that take advantage of the misfortunes of other people talking about it on the internet using, you know, you know, the we talked about Kill Bill Kid. Well, that was just a clear reference of the Star Wars kid that everybody knows about from, you know, YouTube fame that was bullied and harassed on end but it wouldn't be turned viral right and that's i think what kevin smith is kind of commenting on that those people exist and then of course what happens to him is absolutely intended for us to make it feel like he deserved every inch of that from the serial cheating to the insane comments and things that you just see throughout the entire film um i wrote down many different times like yeah he deserves it you're an asshole like get what's coming to you etc etc and even like his girlfriend just straight up says it you're a real fucking asshole like on multiple occasions and i think it's very clear that that's what we're supposed to feel as the viewers just very little to no sympathy for this guy other than the fact that he's getting his legs fused to himself and you know his femurs inserted into his own mouth but whatever moving on Eric, you're kind of smirking throughout that i want all the audio listeners Uh, to know i don't think he deserved it i i just think it's funny because like literally we were talking about Locke a few episodes ago like did he uh deserve everything that came his way and like now we're saying that this guy deserved (laughs) to be turned into a walrus it's just like um, (laughs) i mean yeah like i i don't think he deserved to get turned into a walrus Uh, okay (laughs) we're talking about the morality of human beings turned into walruses or our character that our director is telling us that we do not feel sorry for yeah he's he's an asshole i I don't feel sorry like I don't feel sorry that his his girlfriend is cheating on him with his podcast host. That's definitely like the uh, yeah. him getting what he deserves. But then everything yep. else that happens after that, no, it, yeah, probably didn't deserve that. But uh, I mean, <laughs> quite entertaining, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. entertaining way to 
have uh, vengeance upon yourself, I guess, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blaze, you want to weigh in on this? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he was a bad guy, but like, again, I hate to sound like a fanboy or whatever. I'm sure there's some stupid allegory about like, I don't know, like what dudes, the ends justify the means when it comes to like certain punishments, right? Like death penalties and stuff like that. I'm sure there's something... Because it couldn't just be prepping us for, you know, the guy to get his comeuppance because we knew that coming into the movie. It's a movie called Tusk. We are told a man is getting turned into a walrus, so he didn't have to be a saint and he didn't have to be a sinner. So there was probably some sort of point, but did he deserve it in my mind? No. Was he a bad guy? Yes. Um, especially the ending. I feel like that was the scariest part. <laughs> Let's talk about the walrus maker, Howard Howe himself. Michael Park plays him, and I think that he had some strong moments, but I think there were others where I personally did not find him to be a scary or funny character, or leaning one way or the other, nor did I find him to be an extremely interesting old man. There's other ways that he could have played off that I feel like you got to lean one way or the other when it comes to a movie kind of like this, and I don't think that they boldly went in one direction or the other. I think they played him a little safe, and it left him feeling a little flat. Uh, did anyone find him to be an interesting bad guy that kind of carried them through in any way, Eric? Yeah, I wanted to actually talk, like, it, I'm going to touch on Howard Howe here and something we were saying earlier that this film's original. His character is actually very much um, based in The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, which is the longest major poem by an English poet called uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And then also The Walrus and the Carpenter, uh, that's from Lewis Carroll, uh, Through the Looking Glass. That's a another um, iambic pentameter, or sorry, iambic tri trimeter that a lot of his like long diatribes are apparently kind of influenced from. So Kevin Smith very much did not, he was not original in making this character. He kind of stole a lot from uh, some old po uh, poetry. And he, I, I think he was very much trying to make the most interesting man in the world and trying to... Uh, like, okay, it, if I was a podcast host and I, I read this uh, this piece of paper, I would I would probably try to do the interview over the phone because I probably would have been a little creeped out by him. At the same time, yeah, like, so he goes to the place, right? He goes to uh, this guy's house. And why wasn't there any, um, like, recording equipment with him? What was were, were they actually supposed to record the interview there? I assume because that was my question too. I was, was like, when is he bringing right his phone out? When is he even going to take yeah. audio notes for himself? But I guess he just takes it with his ears and runs on home. Yeah, like that's not good podcasting. <laughs> like I don't and know. I would know. Yeah. <laughs> but if he's making fun of yeah. if he's making fun of his subjects, he doesn't need a whole lot. He just needs to be like, dude, I met this fucking crazy dude True. in Canada who likes walruses. Yeah. And it would be better if you got the, the audio, but um, yeah. Either way, yeah, this character actually wasn't that original of a character. I, I found him to be like he was trying to be the most interesting man in the world. Like he met Ernest Hemingway, and you know, like eventually. Uh, befriended a walrus and everything yeah. and then yeah he slowly slowly gets creepier turns into like a serial killer but then like i found so a lot of the stuff he was like saying so like um pretentious and just like he was so far up his own ass i couldn't even like you know respect him as a serial killer like Han hannibal yeah. lecter i i respect him as a serial killer you know uh sure there's a lot of serial killers in movie history where i'm actually like interested in the character but this one not one of them. <laughs> but what Kelly said, it didn't 
he didn't lean one way or another too far, right? He was either not creepy enough in certain circumstances, or he was singing Itsy Bitsy Little Spider and just coming off as completely cracked and comedic and not creepy at all. It was hard to kind of gauge his reaction to Wallace in some circumstances, whether he was angry at him, feel sorry for him, kind of wanted to make him feel... It was just, you're right, there wasn't a lot of strong direction from him, um, and especially if that's going to be your your big driving evil, he wasn't very well defined for me. Blaze? Um, yeah, uh, I kind of have to agree with everyone, I but I did want to say that I really liked his character in the beginning, their initial conversation. Again, I go back to how good I thought that first meetup was until he got bit. I want to say that um, he did get more like cartoon villainy towards the end. And again, I hate to like keep falling back to that B plot, but uh, when uh, Guy Laponte, I believe his name is, meets him <laughs> like years prior in that weird story that didn't need to be there, he like was a completely different character and it came out of the blue. Like, I don't know if he was like mm -hmm. putting on an act, like he was like a little like slow, but that didn't make a lot of sense. And then, but yeah, like I said, I really liked his uh, role in Red State. If you guys ever saw that, another Kevin Smith movie. I, I actually liked Red State. So that's the other interesting point. Like we went from Red State to this movie and I was like, I liked Red State. I yeah. think this is the movie like right after it, you know, the next movie he did. Uh, and I thought he had a really good performance, but I wish it would have stayed like consistent with his like 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 you guys said almost like i'm smarter than you like sort of uh uh performance because that's kind of like how serial killers are presented is that like they can't be caught because they are just 40 chest five moves ahead of you so mm -hmm. um yeah his character kind of degraded for me at by the end but the start mm -hmm. was very strong in my opinion but if his character actually truly believes that he needs a walrus for companionship because the rest of the world is all jacked up, then he's probably got some. No, no, that's anyway. not. That's Maybe not. That's the route they were going. That's for. not his point at all. His point is that a walrus saved his life, and then he had to eat him, but he didn't give him a fair fight. So the reason why he makes a man walrus is so he can recreate the fight with a walrus. Yes, it's he even more absurd to kill him, but not a real one. <laughs> that's even more absurd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he. He does keep shitting on humans, though. Like, he, he obviously hates humans. Like, I don't think... Yeah, and, like, yeah. in that scene you had just talked about with LaPointe, right? He says, you know, maybe the humans are the, the, the problem in that story or whatever. Yeah, but that's when he's a cartoon at that point. You know, like... Yeah. I don't... Like, I don't know. This movie gets really bad the more... <laughs> the more you watch it. <laughs> the more yeah. deep diving we get into it. That's what should yeah. always be said about film, right? Just don't look too far into it and yeah. you'll like it. <laughs> I'm going back to Marvel. This sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, Marvel, same thing. Don't read too much into that either. That shit will Ahoy, start falling baby. apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm 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 feeling very character based as we're moving through, and I think that it's causing enough good discussion. So I want to talk about the girlfriend Allison and kind of what's going on with the co-host of the podcast and who she is as a person, if she's well-rounded, if she needs to be well-rounded and kind of thoughts on our other two kind of supporting cast. I will say my initial reaction to that second scene that we see her with, she's just crying and talking mm -hmm. about like the Wallace cheating on her. That came absolutely out of nowhere for me. I was kind of like, what the hell is this? I know you're trying to set up that 
she's cheating on him with your best friend and podcaster, but like it was way over the top. It was totally out of place. It didn't even fit the irony or the satire or whatever they were going for in the moment. And it just completely took me out of the scene and I wanted nothing to do with her character after that point. So It was a total change of atmosphere and mm-hmm. like everything in a jarring, almost like Tarantino kind of way that... Then that's all they did with it, though, was just that scene. Yeah. Okay, back into what we were trying to do before, which is shelled out to X amount variable. But yeah, that that scene was just like, whoa, what? Well, it, and it was stupid, too. Again, I, I know we're talking about the characters, but that scene in particular, it was like so telegraphed that it was going to be Haley Joe Osmond that I was really expecting them to like flip the script mm-hmm. and like introduce a new character because it's mm-hmm. like there's like a no walrus. way. There's. <laughs> There's that would have been brilliant. They should have done that. But in my opinion, there is no way that you like let that be a cliffhanger for like five minutes. Like either just show that it's him, yeah. or have it be you know fucking uh... yeah. Especially with like the hand, like oh let's look at his palms yeah. and see if they were the same hands. Like you know it's him. Like come on. If it would have been like yeah. Jay who, or Silent who else Bob, do we that know? would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. How many other characters were introduced it have been to Jay. It Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, well, uh, I, I one thing I wrote down, lots of weird camera cuts and edits. Like, there was some hyper-editing in this movie that, like, threw me way off and seemed really sloppy, and that was a good example of the edit right into her crying, where they really, like, overwatered her face. Like, uh, it felt like I was watching Handmaid's Tale, except, uh, you know, like, without the whole universe behind it. You know, because, like, in Handmaid's Tale, they always have those close-ups of Elizabeth Moss just, like, hysterically crying, and it's just, like, really in your face. It was like she was sniffling and everything. It was really overdone. Is Genesis Rodriguez a good actor? I'm not so sure about it. Yes, you can say she's good-looking, Blaze, but, uh, you know, she's not... (laughs) Ew, not exactly a great actor like in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly a great actor in this movie. Our, re- um, our resident simp isn't here, so I gotta fill in double time. Gotta embody yeah. him. Yeah. The the other characters in this film, like uh, Teddy, I don't know. Like I was already saying, his laughing just kills me. I hated like hearing him laugh, and just kind of him being the one that's uh, cheating on um, with Allie on Wallace. Uh, it was just. I could see it from a mile away. You know, I saw his hairy palms, and that was that. Hairy so. palms. Hairy palms. Yeah. That would have been a great name. <laughs> yeah, that's a good podcaster name for sure. <laughs> yeah, as far as their characters, like I said, um, it's not even their characters that were, like, terrible. It was just the way that their characters were written. Eric talks about mm-hmm. these crazy editing moves, which I do agree with, but then they have, like, a 15-minute scene with Johnny Depp in a fucking fast food yeah that took way too long and it took like 20 minutes to like talk about nothing it's just like i want to see this walrus get up to walrus shit you know and they're Mm. talking about like (laughs) oh there's a serial look at my silly accent (laughs) yeah i think that was it like the whole comedy was the fact that it was johnny depp in a ridiculous costume doing a you know pink panther impression that i think that's kind of what they assumed would be comedic, and every time he opened his mouth, we were supposed to be rolling in our chairs, but that just didn't happen. No, it wasn't yeah, funny at all. <laughs> lots of emphasis for Guy Lapointe, and that would be right. the next in my arc of let's talk about characters. Uh, I read a fun fact on Wikipedia, thank you Wikipedia, please donate, that Smith wanted Tarantino to play that character at Tarantino, first, yep. but Tarantino mm-hmm. said that, I'm busy, I just finished Django Unchained, 
and I'm not interested. And I was like, wow, that came out around the same time. I had never heard of Tusk until we started doing this. Guy LaPointe. I was excited to see this character, but he was relentless, would be what I would use to describe him. We've already discussed how long that fast food scene is. There was funny bits like him smashing the burger in order to eat it. I like that choice. That was a little bit silly, but the scene where he sees whoever Howard Howe was in his random offshoot of pretending to be a different person, that was relentlessly long and unfunny about shooting a spider in a toilet. Didn't love that. But this is a character, when I look on the internet, is pretty well loved and appreciated. And with everything that's going on with Johnny Depp, a lot of people are calling back to this character as well, even now. Uh hmm. I don't know that we have any person on this podcast right now that would like to defend Guy LaPointe. Uh, any kind of pros in favor of this character? Uh, I, I think the whole backstory, it was very much like the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. It was unnecessary, way too much coverage, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I, I, uh, I lulled to Potini Weenie. <laughs> if that helps anything. Written, wrote that one down. Houdini <laughs> <laughs> weenie. You, you bring that yeah. up, but actually one of the genuine, like, it wasn't a ha-ha laugh, but it just was like, ah, that's a joke moment in the, you know, joking parts of the movie was when they're about to uh, bust into the house and he tries to give them guns and they're like, sheep is about it. And he's like, what? I thought you were Americans. And I thought that was like... Yeah, right. I, what I, kind I, of American are you? I, I didn't laugh. <laughs> that was a good goal for me. I didn't yeah, laugh, yeah, but I, I was I like, ha, huh, that's a joke. I, You know what? They, yeah. That got me from A to B. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but yeah, his character, much like everyone who wasn't named Howard or uh, Wallace, uh, were very inconsequential. So I'm not going to defend him, but it was a fun little Easter egg, at least, because I didn't know it was him. Uh, and he, uh, this character, Guy LaPointe, was apparently in the unofficial sequel to this movie, Yoga Hosers, right? Yeah, and that's an uh, even what? terribler movie. Yeah. yeah. So this is a trilogy. That's called the True North Trilogy. Did they ever finish it? The- Thank you, Internet. Nope, Yoga Hosers comes next, and which is a movie that exists. It came out in 2016, and then Most Jaws is in the future to be made one day. Which is just okay. jaw, Jaws, but Yoga features a moose, is horses. what I heard. Well, it's uh, it's those girls. That's Kevin Smith's daughter, and then Johnny Depp's daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. All Which the also play, girls. They play the the store clerks and ah. Tusk. and they're also in Yoga Hosers, and so that makes sense that that why their dads are in this movie. Well, that one day. Well, the the other two things that I wrote down with Guy Lapointe were crucifix, crucified T Rex, and. The amount of times that he repeated Gregory Gumtree because he thought it was funny. And I was just like, stop. <laughs> but yeah, crucified T-Rex, I laughed. I hope, like, yeah. you're, someone finds your notebook, like, 50 years after you're dead, and they're going to be like, this man was a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are these ramblings? Uh, ramblings, uh, Eric, exactly. <laughs> I don't know a ton about writing scripts and how it portrays to the length time of a movie. Uh, this was an 80-page script, and I think our runtime is 101 minutes. I was wondering if that means we can deduce that a lot of what Johnny Depp says is just off the cuff from his brain, or if it was It very much could have been, and knowing now what we know about Johnny Depp, who apparently shows up to like uh, shootings like two hours late and is always drunk, um, very much very possible that he, uh, he just kind of started rambling and this wasn't all in the script. I don't know that for a fact, though. 
but yeah, it for a screenplay, it's usually about a page a minute. But then that can vary. Like apparently, Star uh, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, George Lucas literally just blocked out twenty pages and just wrote pod racing, and then just had blank pages for twenty pages, and it just said pod racing on it. So like, there's tricks that people can do, especially with montages and music that can make things longer or shorter. But yeah, I w- I would have to guess here that it probably would have been a page a minute for this movie until jo- that Johnny Depp scene where he just started rambling and probably added things to the script that Kevin Smith probably allowed him to because he's Johnny Depp. So That's fair. That's how I was kind of feeling about it. Uh, okay, free time, everyone. Does anyone have anything specific that they want to mention on this movie? I have two more big questions before we move on to our grade, but I want everyone to have a chance to say anything else that they might have wanted to say. Blaze? I want to talk about the end just for a minute. Is that okay? Can I talk about the the, the last scene? Uh, so this movie, uh, in a lot of awkward places, did a lot of flashbacks, which again, I think really like held the movie back. But I think mm-hmm. the one flashback that stuck with me, uh, and again, this is just like me, like kind of just, I've been like, I've thought about this since the first time I saw this. It's uh, him and uh, Genesis Rodriguez. I don't know her name off the top of my hand in the movie. Allie. Allie. It's him and Allie uh, chilling on their bed or whatever, and they're just talking about how he never cries. And they talk about the importance of that. And she says, the ability for a human to cry is what separates man from the animals. And so in the end, Wallace doesn't want to get out of the walrus suit. They don't really explain it for some reason. He was only there for like two weeks or so. So I think he could have been rehabilitated as a human. But I digress. They uh, go to uh, this wildlife preservation camp and they throw him like mackerel treats, which I'm sure was very nice. And you see a single tear go down his eye. And that is the scariest part of the movie for me. You know, it really uh, touches home on, like, how lost we are as humans, I guess, um, and how unrelatable we probably feel towards others, and how, like, by the time you're ready for help, it's probably too late in some people's eyes. And as you can see, uh, Allie and Teddy are already moving on with their lives, and they left Wallace in the past. And so I really think that's, like, a really huge symbolism of uh this whole uh existential dread we all have as humans of being left behind by um our loved ones so i thought that was the best part of the movie i thought that was the scariest part of the movie and i just wanted to really put that out there because i didn't know if we were going to talk about it or not so no I, i think you touched on some good points there but it also kind of for me hammers home my idea that he kind of was created as a character for us to feel like he kind of deserved it throughout the entire thing um, at the end there, right, the karma of of being left alive by Guy Lapointe, that's not mercy by any stretch of the imagination. So he's forced to continue this existence as this abomination. Then once a year, probably, or whatever, the ex-girlfriend and her ex-best friend comes and throws him a fish and has to watch them as the whole thing goes down. Like, yeah, he's trapped in this walrus body. And I think you're, supposed, maybe, to feel, I think yeah. you're supposed to feel bad for him at that point, right? Like, Meh, I mean, I mean, I guess. Okay, yeah, he's a serial cheater. He makes, he's an internet bully. Uh-huh. He's not a very nice person, but does he deserve that? Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> you know. I, I think it's left for Kevin Smith to make Violent murderers well. that should be chained as a walrus for the rest of their life. You know? yeah. I, it's insinuated, I guess, at the start that he bullied the Kill Bill kid so bad that the Kill Bill kid killed himself. Yep. 
but like still, yeah, I obviously I don't think that means that he should be in a walrus suit. I, I am reading here though that Smith had an idea for a Tusk too, where somehow Wallace would turn himself back into a human and become the new villain. So um, I, I I'm guessing I'd watch that. in in this uh, universe it is it would have been possible for him to come back into as a human. I'm guessing they would have just taken all the you know blubber off of him and like unstitched his arms, but he definitely wouldn't have had legs anymore. Uh, but like either way, yeah, like uh, I think he was just psychologically a walrus at that point. Like I think after he killed uh, Howard Howe, he psychologically turned into a walrus and he's just like this is my new form. And who I am. Now. You know what? That, that's I love to eat fish. That's a good question, <laughs> yeah, though. And, and okay, cry. so so we're all talking about does he deserve it? Does he think he deserves it? Uh, of course not. No, probably not. Yeah, he seems pretty like prideful. So you and uh, you think in two, how could you do this to me? You think yeah. in two weeks someone can turn into a walrus without rehabilitation? I know stories <laughs> of kids that have lived with wolves for eight years. And they got them back to semi-normal. We're know? asking the real hard-hitting questions here, guys. I mean, Two weeks yeah, this to is become a, a walrus in the end of movie, though, too. So, yeah. <laughs> I but, mean, I'm just saying. Love it. Uh, love it. I don't know. I felt awful it. for well, the guy. So. Yeah, I mean, I do feel bad for him. I don't know that there's anything that a person could be done to. If you're turned into an abomination, like Kevin said, the merciful thing to do is to be killed. Like, he was so aware of himself too. He's like, I know I sound like the asshole. I know I sound shitty. He said like a three or four different times. Like he he absolutely admits mm-hmm. that he's what he's saying is totally whack and crazy and wrong. But he's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, well, I definitely think that like zoo animals have some of the worst lives in the whole world. So as soon as we opened up to one year later and they're walking into a zoo, I was just like, oh no, yeah. no, 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 don't let it be, don't let it be so. <laughs> yeah. I wanted the movie to end on a gunshot personally, but. That was that was me. Yeah, and okay. This is uh, Kelly and I both noted this. I there was a point where they said animals can't cry, right? It's uh, that's what separates uh, humans from the animals. Like crying shows you have a soul. I think that's what they say, and that's actually factually false. Animals can cry. <laughs> yeah, I have heard this. I think that's pretty. <laughs> I mean, I've heard dogs whine, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, animals cry. It's just they don't cry in a human. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the point, Eric. It's not like... Well, Well, it tells you just how much we focus a lens on what is humanity and what is a walrus. What is walrus? Animals have emotions. They definitely do. Full walrus. (laughs) You never go... This is where we have to discuss veganism. Yeah, I was waiting for it. I'm like, they're totally (laughs) going to talk about veganism here in a second. Go! Waiting for it. So... This we're we're on the front doorstep of one of my last final questions, which was uh did did the movie answer that question, which has plagued us since we first crawled from Earth and stood erect in the sun? Is man indeed a walrus at heart? No. Thoughts? <laughs> Feelings? Walruses? In what sense of the word? Yeah, I. This is something that Howard Howe says at some point. He does. Like, he absolutely does. You... Yeah. Well, Why at a some point, small animals. But at some by point, the we end, crawled I... out of the sea, right? And we yep. were we weren't able to walk necessarily, right? And we were kind of like landlocked. Uh, like we we crawled out of the sea and we were just kind of flopping around, right? Like like a walrus at some point in our evolution, mm-hmm. and then we kind of to- turned more like into primates and eventually. Stood erect, like you said, 
very much like Wallace's head when it comes out of his uh, suit. I I don't know. Is man at, at heart a walrus? Uh, no. It, this actually goes like one of the most annoying groups of people are um, the people that like want to go back to our like primal selves. They think everything's better um, before technology and eating just as like uh, Neanderthals would. Um, and yeah, I we are not at heart walruses anymore. We have evolved past it. <laughs> Do any of you feel like a different kind of animal at heart? I feel like a panda sometimes. I love that. <laughs> Glad I asked. you bamboozled me. <laughs> uh, squirrel. 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 <laughs> Wait, are you a dog saying squirrel or are you a squirrel? <laughs> Leave it up for interpretation. Squirrel. I don't know. At one point, I wrote down uh, God's most noble creature. Well, I don't know. Just God bless. God bless the people whose spirit animal is a walrus, I guess. I think there is like animal, like not animal spirits exactly, but I do think that we do have kindred spirits with animals. Uh, I think people tend to identify with certain animals that they like and they think that they uh, want to uh, be more like. So I guess in a roundabout way, man is walrus. Just select few men who want to be walrus because walrus have giant schlong. <laughs> walrus has two giant tusks and he's got a lot of fun blubber. So he's got a lot to love uh, all around him. So yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with man is walrus. I've, I've flipped my script. Fair enough. If audience, if you've ever wondered if this podcast was pro or anti furry, I hope you have your answer now. Wait. <laughs> pro furry. There's so walrus people that dress up as walrus and walruses <laughs> are, are they called fishies? Uh, I, I am the walrus. Hmm. I don't know because that's still in the mammal world. Not exactly furry. I yeah. guess scale. No, they don't have uh, scales, right? <laughs> I I I, yeah. I am the walrus. <laughs> Cuckoo, cuckoo! All right, we're digressing. I've never have any of you listened to Kevin Smith's podcast, even an episode or two. I meant I meant to listen to the inspiration for this movie before I hosted it. So I'm sorry if I've done a disservice, but I feel like I have listened to that specific episode. So he, like I said, he's like on Mount Podmore as far as like people who like really Mm -hmm. stuck with podcasts in the beginning and knew what it was going to turn into. But, uh, yeah, I think I have listened to that episode, but I'm not, like, super familiar with his show in general. Yeah, it's called Smodcast, apparently, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Smodcast. Don't rip us a new one if you hear this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, last question, and it has to do with that podcast audience. Was this movie just a big inside joke, and are we doing it a disservice by trying to dissect it this much? I yes, I 100% agree. That's exactly what happened. I talked about it at the end of the film. If you continue past the credits, it basically shows a snippet of that podcast where Kevin Smith and his co-host are just riffing on this idea of a Craigslist article about posing as a walrus, and then it snaps into his head that he's created a horror movie, and the movie director and him starts spinning this idea and then writes a screenplay essentially on the fly in that podcast. And then we see the results of a guy who has a bunch of money and free time on his hand with a supportive audience that thought it was funny when they were laughing about it. So, yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. And he just has the resources and the know-how of Hollywood and the people to make a 
vanity project like this happen. Yeah, I saw that he had tweeted uh, to his audience after that episode, tweet, wall, wall yes or wall no, if I should make this movie. And the yeses had it. Yep. So that I was wondering too, has Twitter gone too far? It <laughs> probably went too far even back then. Yeah, so, that, that's eight-year-old Twitter. <laughs> if this movie is supposed to be a gigantic inside joke, even if I was in on the inside joke, I didn't laugh at the like at a lot of the parts where I could tell he was trying to make people laugh. And so, like, when you have a film that gets very disturbing at points and then switches back to comedy, throws you on and off, it's, it seems super uneven. And so, what I have to do as a reviewer, though, is judge this as a film and not as an inside joke. You know, like, I can't judge this all like Kevin Smith is super meta making something just for his fans. I have to judge it, like, as a film on its own. And uh, that's how I'm going to judge it, which uh, you will hear my grade shortly. Yeah, Blaze, any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's half an inside joke, half a serious ambition. I feel like it's how the uh, audience took it, is how he uh, probably said it was. You know, <laughs> If it was a big commercial success, he would have been like, yeah, um, I, big brain moment, you know, this was amazing. And if it flopped like it did, and but it still has its loyal fans, he says it's an inside joke. He said it was, you know, uh, spur of the moment, you know, like just based off of a random uh, podcast. So I think it's a little bit of both. I really think that, you know, as a filmmaker, as a big of a personality as Kevin Smith is, I think he wants all of his movies to be a success, regardless of uh, who he thinks going it's going to appeal to. I do think he made it for the fans, but he also made it uh, to hopefully be, you know, you know, in that uh, upper echelon of horror, dark horror comedies. So, yeah. So I feel like because we're not talking about things like soundtrack and cinematography and some of these other things that mm-hmm. we don't look at this almost from a film standpoint. We've been talking nothing about nothing but other than the plot point and kind of the, the whole idea of where this movie came from so much. But what Eric just said at the end there is right. We have to view it from that lens of a film, but we just haven't talked about it that way because it's almost like we're not looking at it like it's a movie. We're looking at it like it's this vanity project created mm-hmm. off a podcast because that's exactly what it is so it's kind of hard and interesting to say that we haven't looked at this movie the same way we've looked at almost all of these other a24s because of the other parts we well talked about. i think that's because everything else is so more domineering than the uh the way it was filmed uh the editing mm-hmm. the sound i think that was just inconsequential parts of the movie outside of you know the writing the storytelling yeah. the uh costume design etc cetera, etc cetera. i feel like the film took a backseat to the story, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I would say it was like sloppy situation. editing. Yeah, but yeah. you know, cinematography too. I didn't see anything that visually. I, I did like the uh, yeah. the torture pen or whatever. I liked how he had like the, the projectors film projectors of like the yeah. beaches and like seagull sounds and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of neat, but like. There's, it was all A B framing basically as far as like you know talking scenes go, and there wasn't mm-hmm. anything crazy going on action wise so i don't i don't know why uh it was the film was just the medium that they chose to make the story of. that's really it yep yeah and i feel like yeah cinematography wise it was like what i expect from some of the a24 movies that we've seen so far that just like didn't really stand out for me and aren't what i'm expecting as we continue to move forward um with these movies when it starts to really show itself as different from a lot of other movies that i've seen as far as the sound of this movie went as well, I was surprised to look at who did the sound design. I was like, okay, he did video games and animated series. That kind of fits in because it was just kind of like ambient 
background, like almost happy-go-lucky at times, maybe too much. It wasn't ever very creepy. Yeah. Um, and then that final fight scene. Yep. I just hate to cut you off, but the soundtrack was just so terrible as they're like murdering yep. each other. And I'm like, what the hell? Is this like conga music or like <laughs> weird dance vibes? It was just Yeah, stupid. you didn't even cut me off because that's almost exactly <laughs> what I was going to go and say. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All this said, do we have anything else that we want to just get off of our chest that we want to stab people with the tusks that have been surgically applied to our faces with? No? Uh, All right. Uh, Great time, everybody. Uh, Eric, how about you go first? All right, <laughs> yeah, well... Eric first. <laughs> judging this, like, from just a film standpoint, the script failed to me. It didn't scare me. It, like, I guess did okay with disturbing me. This was very much if Kevin Smith did Human Centipede. Like, yes, that, that walrus uh, outfit was disturbing. But at least Human Centipede, I was, like... I was, like, thoroughly interested and, like, entertained throughout it, no matter how disturbing it was. Um, but this, it, it wasn't well shot. It, there was a ton of awkward editing and cuts. It seemed something like a senior in college would make, like, for their 400-level film class. Except Kevin Smith is a seasoned director who has been working for years, and I expect more of him. And, you know, that's why I'm going to be pretty harsh on him for this. Overall, it was really disappointing. I'm going to give this the worst grade that we've ever given. F24 for me. Uh, at least Charles Schwann was aesthetically pleasing at points and well shot in, in certain areas. Uh, this didn't even do that for me. So, bad script, bad directing, everything. Just, like, even Justin Long, I don't think he was a good actor in this. So, like, on several levels, this just failed for me. So, F24. Blaze, I want you to follow All up. All right. Woo, he liked Spring Breakers better. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Eric makes a lot of valid points about this movie. I disagree with some of what he has to say. Um, I think the parts that this movie did good, it did really, really good. I do <clears throat> think, especially at the beginning of uh, as like horror movie setup, man, different country, random bar, finds random writing, follows it by himself, and... You know, the creepiness level, like, did really good at, like, epping, epping up, you know, up until the point where uh, it got terribly bad towards the end. Like I said, it, there was a lot of good nuggets of ideas, kind of like the idea itself. There was a lot of, like, nuggets of good filmmaking in it, but it was bogged down so badly by the bad film parts of it. The, the writing was kind of abysmal, especially in those B-plots. Uh, moments the comedy didn't land as you guys like to say and i've been like you know listening to you guys these past couple episodes is the characters have to matter as scary as it was and a terrible predicament he was in i didn't care about justin long at the end uh i ended up caring about myself <laughs> so and then howard wasn't redeemable no one was redeemable in this movie and then on top of that like we were saying the editing was terrible the uh, filming the shots was extremely blasé. The set pieces were okay at best. And there was really just a lot of lazy parts in this film. So I'm not going to be as harsh as Eric because, like I said, there are parts I really, really like about this. I like the walrus costume itself. I like the setup. I like the idea. Execution, extremely lacking. So I'm going to give it a C minus 24. Kevin, you want to go next or right. last? Yeah. No, I'll go next. Good. So I think a lot of my criticism on this movie, I've, I've kind of already spoken out on a lot of it. Um, I do think at its very basic 
level. It is a vanity project for Kevin Smith and his podcast listeners. I think it's an idea that got way too far, uh, and he was too far gone before he realized that there was just no way that they was going to do anything to this movie in service. Um, I think that it does fill a, a spot in the uh, cinematic zeitgeist that exists in the world. I think that it's a movie that people know about existing just because of its sheer ridiculousness. Um, I almost akin to something like Sharknado or something like that, that you know just exists as a movie regardless of if it's any good or just horribly campy crap. And I think that this one follows into the latter, where it's horribly campy crap that just does not do a lot of good for anybody. I think that we kind of beat this to a pulp already as far as the the shortcomings of the film. It really is a film that is meant to laugh at itself, I think, at the end of the day. Um, and we're just going to kind of leave it at that. So Kevin Smith, just don't go back to horror for me, bud. I'll stick to your slapstick stuff and make another Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, he actually did. He this... made a Jay and Silent Bob reboot that came out in 2019 that I never saw. Which oh, I man. Now. I guess and I'm also Red State was very good. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I'm going to give it a D flat D24 because it just wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It, it represents something in movie history for me, and that's enough at least to give it something. So that's it. Fair enough. All right, what can I say that hasn't been said already? I think that the way that I've been reviewing things, um, I kind of think how much did I feel engaged? How much did I feel entertained? How much did I feel like something cool was on screen or captivating me, which is the same way of saying what I just did. This movie didn't do any of that for me. I love body horror. Um, I think that that's some of my favorite genre. I was very excited to see what would happen with a walrus. I loved the premise of everything going on. Um, all the characters were really flat and boring and I hated them. And the movie, as soon as I saw the walrus, I was like, all right, that's what it's going to look like. I wish I could stop watching now. Not interested on what happens next. Did not care for any piece of this. That's <laughs> all I can say. Um, but Harley from Epic Mealtime was in there. And Blaze has set the trail that if you have somebody in a movie that you like, you get to bump it up a letter grade. So, E24 from me. All right. I think Cole, Cole, Cole gives it one toe up. <laughs> Unfortunately, our fellow Canadian couldn't be on this podcast. I know. I wanted to rip Canada a new one. Well, Cole is our resident Canadian. We were going to ask him all about what he thought about all the Canadian ripping, but he went really far up north uh, to interview someone for our podcast uh, next week. So we haven't heard from him for a little bit. Haven't heard from him. (laughs) Hopefully, he'll be back by next week. He said something about a seal enthusiast. I don't know. It was kind of weird. I'm not too worried about (laughs) it, but... Why were okay, That's Wallace? Good. There was a lot of long scenes of him pissing. That's one thing I just uh, a lot, yeah, yeah. Why that? It's probably an alcoholic reference. Could be because pee jokes are funny. Remember? Well, it's, oh, it wasn't I always even forget like that. a joke. It was just like a lot of him looking like doing other things while he's being. Isn't there's like a gag in like Airplane too, right? Where like they keep peeing and then stop and. Do you know what I think it was? I think it was probably comments. an inside joke again that we don't understand because we don't listen to the podcast. But he constantly has like that giant big gulp type yeah. of thing. So that's probably why he pees so much. And they probably have a thing like, oh, I bet you if you drink a big gulp all the time, you know, you, the pisses you do must be amazingly long. You know, yeah. it could be it.
A24